With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Lembit Opic on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Good morning to one and all in the United Kingdom. Four minutes past seven uh, here in Blighty. Four minutes past six in the evening in Sydney. Wherever you are in the world, you are most welcome uh, to join us here at the home of free speech, uh, TNT Radio. Get involved in the chat if you would like to. Quite a lot of debate going on there. I'll read it out in just a moment. Uh, all you have to do is go to tntradio.live. You'll find us straight away. It's a great website. And join the conversation in the chat. Often it goes to, in discursive dialogue directions which aren't always directly related to what we're talking about on the show well you're welcome to do that uh, also you will find the phone numbers if you want to call in i've got uh, just under an hour with you if i've got time i would love to let you in it's usually only just for a couple of minutes because we have so much to do uh, here on this particular show uh, but you are most welcome uh, we really live and walk the talk when it comes to free speech and you don't have to uh, don't have to agree with what you're hearing. If you disagree or if you want to make a criticism, even of me, that's all welcome. You are allowed to do that here at TNT Radio. We don't take offence because you say something which we could find offensive. Uh, that's the secret of free speech. Uh, coming up in this hour, we've got uh, Henry Harris Berland, uh, who has been a very senior manager in a company called Starship. Now, not the Starship that goes into space, courtesy of Elon Musk. It's a different Starship, which delivers things robotically to your house. He'll explain that. I want to talk to you, to him about uh, the Sam Altman case, the unusual situation with AI, open AI, and what's going on there. And to what, what does even AI mean? Do you really know? Well, uh, Henry can help us with that. Uh, then we've got uh, Neil Wilcox coming on. He took on the M London mayor uh, on his pollution tax, uh, this thing called ultra low emissions, zone, and he won. How did he do it? Why did he do it? What are the implications for everyone else? Is this a test case for everybody else who drives in London. And after that, we've got Howard Cox, who happens to be a mayoral candidate for London, uh, giving us his take on the autumn statement. Uh, all of that with me, uh, Lemidopic. And also, uh, of course, we're, in a few minutes' time, we're going to have uh, Gemma Cooper again with her unique take on the world. Once again, to emphasize this, I encourage you to get involved in the chat. Uh, that's at tntradio.live. Uh, just a quick round robin of the things that have been going on there. Um, the uh, conversation I had with, with Gemma uh, last in the previous hour has created a reaction. I get the sense not many of you are that keen on automatic service tills, but maybe, or automatic, sorry, um, supermarket checkout tills where you do it yourself. Or maybe it's the people who are comfortable with it just don't say so. Maybe it's just if you're not happy with it, you're more likely to make a comment. So to keep that dialogue going. Uh, the inference and the uh, context of uh, the... Uh, uh, good uh, Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving has uh, caused a debate about stuffing. Well, it's not a cooking show, so you'll just see what people are saying. Go and have a look at that. Uh, and uh, uh, Spyro Gyro says, I'd hate to live in peas, spelled P E A S. Um, and then yeah, it's just asked them for the uh, social media accounts, probably. Uh, sorry. Sorry, I got the last part. It says, don't leave my messages out. Uh, understood, Spyro, but you put that in third. I saw that at the end, not at the beginning. Apologies, I did not do that on purpose. Noted, and I accept your right to not 
have me freely speaking about your words. Um, just two things to comment on. Uh, that point made by Patrick Henningsen uh, about Hollywood actors being cancelled for their views on the Israel-Palestine conflict. This is nothing new. Uh, and I've always been somewhat concerned that that uh, celebrities in Hollywood think that their celebrity status entitles them to preach about things they know little about. To me, the most infamous recent example was when the actor, actress Emma Thompson flew all the way from America to join a climate protest in London. Uh, let me tell you that again. She flew all the way across the Atlantic to join a climate emergency demonstration. And presumably she didn't see the irony at all. Maybe she thought people didn't notice that she'd come across an entire ocean uh, to get here. Well, if celebrities have something to say, they're entitled to, to have their say, but they have to accept the consequences too. Uh, I would say to Emma Thompson, show me the evidence that your flight to the UK and back is wrecking the climate. And if you can show me the evidence, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Uh, the situation with Israel and Palestine is supercharged as well, of course, and you're even more likely to get cancelled by one side or the other if you talk about that. My advice to everyone, not just celebrities, is if you're going to say something, please try to avoid the hypocrisy. We all do hypocritical things, but don't be blatant about it, especially uh, if you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the person who's coming up next is Gemma Cooper. She knows exactly what she's talking about. That's with me, Lemmy Topic on TNT Radio. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, hello once again. How are you doing? How was the last 50 minutes for you? It goes incredibly quickly yeah. uh, here on TNT Radio, I have to say. But I love your point about celebrities there. I mean, if you cast your mind back over the last three and a half years, isn't it amazing, incredible, how many celebrities, both in the UK and around the world suddenly became medical advisors and told us to all have an experimental yeah. procedure stuck in our arms, you know? Isn't that strange? You know, and we're all supposed to jump up and down because these people are on a black box in the corner of the room or they appear on our screens and, and they're telling us what to put in our bodies. And I remember putting, I don't watch TV, but I did catch a bit of Elton John at uh, Glastonbury Festival and I got a tiny bit sucked in because some of his songs are really good. And I thought, no, turn the bloody thing off because he was adamant. You know, we all needed to get jabbed. You know, Michael Caine, you know, in, in, you know, one of the greatest actors ever telling us all to get jabbed. I'm thinking, when did you become a, a medical expert? No. It's, and they, they have far too much influence and power. But obviously, people that have mm. the mindset that we have don't go fall for celebrity at all. You know, not we see what it is. That's another control mechanism, the celebrity thing. The whole way we're encouraged to follow them and watch them and the jungle at the moment. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. How the, the country's fixated on that and Nigel Farage. It's all distraction, distraction, but it, it crosses the line when they tell you to have something stuck in your body. And people did. People did. So they, those celebrities now need to take a long, hard look at themselves and, look, you know, vaccine damage and what, what they actually did, what they actually did by telling us to do that. And the one that I find most irksome is when you have a senior, pretty much just about the one of the highest paid newscaster on the state sponsored station telling us to obey the lockdown, not to question the authority, while he himself was attempting to break the lockdown and ignored the authority. And the health secretary was doing it and the prime minister was doing it. But they're telling us. And it turns out that not just celebrities, 
But the politicians didn't know what they were talking about either. But they said it with such confidence. And I really feel, and I, I feel this visceral protectiveness towards the general public who try to do their best and try to do the right thing, but are being ed endlessly hoodwinked and misled by people who don't really even care. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the politicians, I think that they did know what they were doing. They they knew mm. it wasn't dangerous. They knew there was no cause for concern. Mm. When it comes to celebrities, they didn't know. They don't know anything about anything. You know, they all they know about is their own reflection in the mirror. And celebrity breeds narcissism. I've been in the media my whole career. I've met every politician. I met showbiz stars, and I'm telling you, narcissism runs rife through the media and entertainment industry. You don't you don't really get anywhere unless you you have that trait in your character. If you're going to rise to the top, you've got to be pretty ruthless. But they're not particularly well-versed in anything else except the specialist subject is them. So for them to be then saying, oh yeah, have a needle stuck in you, take this jab, otherwise you won't have any rights and freedoms to travel, to, to go to work, you know, and if you don't take this jab, you're an evil person. And I'm a celebrity, so I can tell you, but they don't didn't actually know anything. They were just paid loads of money. To advance their so-called careers and to to fuel their egos. I mean, this is not the story I decided to kind of launch on no, this morning, but sorry. you know, it, it is a huge. I mean, we just heard about being cancelled in Hollywood because you don't fit the narrative. But Patrick Henningsen was quite right. What has garnered those actresses is street cred in certain circles. In certain circles, they have great gained credibility, and also that thing of you being true. If you're being true to yourself by speaking out, well, that's priceless. But yeah, celebrities telling us to have an experimental medical procedure. I mean, I can't forgive any of them for doing that. I can't. I absolutely can't. And I know I'm not the only one. Well, um, last word on this, and then we'll go to what you did want to talk about. The inference is because you're a good actor, you're a credible doctor. Or because you're a good cook, you're a credible preacher about untested vaccines. Uh, I've always been dubious about the cult of celebrity. I was, I suppose, briefly fairly famous myself but i never felt that that gave me the authority to talk about things which weren't in my area of expertise but hey there we go uh, uh what did you want to talk about though Jan? <laughs> sorry well, digression. <laughs> yeah we did digress there but you know i think it's a valid digression um well today it, we had a good news story at the top of the last hour about the self-service checkouts being looked at in america um not such good news today i'm afraid for the uk population because as we speak the um, energy regulator is due to announce a new price cap for uh, bills, uh, electricity and gas, which will mean it does mean they are going to be going up. Uh, currently, um, a unit of gas is seven pence and a, a unit of electricity is 27 pence. And the price cap is price, price cap, which is the maximum of what the suppliers can charge is set to rise. Um, it that affects 29 million homes here in the UK. Yesterday we had, you know, Jeremy Hunt with his autumn statement, and I know you're going to talk about that. And he was talking about tax cuts, tax cuts. Actually, if you look behind the headlines, they're kind of like a reduction of emergency taxes they put on us, and now they're bringing them back down and calling them cuts. Um, but actually, the reality is, uh, bills for the most of the UK are going to go up over the winter period, and of course, it's all for corporate profit and greed. They say, oh, we need to put the price cap up, cap up to stop energy companies going out of business. Well, they're making billions and billions of pounds in profit. It isn't to stop them going out of business. It's to pay the shareholders. That's all any corporation ever cares about is paying its shareholders dividends. Um, and I just rather wonder, because this has become a thing uh, here in the UK, um, how many people are stopping um, paying their bills, their gas and electricity bills, that people are saying and writing to writing to companies and saying, we're only paying for the rental of the meat, paying 
their bills, their gas and electricity bills, that people are saying and writing to regu- writing to companies and saying, we're only paying for the rental of the meter. We're not actually paying for the gas and electric. So we will take the meter away, put our own meters in, therefore we don't have to pay for our energy supplies as a form of protest against what they see as, you know, massive profits. I mean, the rises that we are expected will mean the average household is now paying £2,000 a year to heat and light the property. Well, not everybody can afford that. That will mean a choice for many, many people here in the UK of heating or eating. Now, I haven't gone down the road of not paying my utility bills, but I know people that have within the loosely termed freedom movement. And I'm quite quietly impressed with the level of kind of sophistication that they've gone about this. They've looked into it. They've written all the letters. I don't know if anyone in the chat has gone down this road yet because we're all quite anti-establishment people. But I wonder if the price cap rise today means we will see more people taking on these big energy firms and saying we're not paying. Um, I know I know one girl in the West Country and she, she did it with some success. And she says, no, I don't wish to enter into a contract with you. I don't wish to do this. I've taken the meter away. And she hasn't paid. She hasn't paid for a couple of years now. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying I wonder if we'll see more of it as the price cap is 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 rising today. Yeah, it seems to me what happens, Gemma, and when I was an MP, I felt this, you can push the public pretty far. By and large, people are conforming. They don't really want to rock the boat. They don't really want to step out of line. But once you do it once, or once a group of people do it, it happens really fast. And so, right, that's it. That's what I think is the problem for the Conservatives in the UK at the moment. Collectively, people have said, you're rubbish. <laughs> and whatever you do now, you'll still be rubbish. And you can give me a tiny tax cut. But the, let's not be fooled. Just like you said, energy prices up. And the other great killer, if you've got a mortgage, mortgage is shooting up and rental shooting up. And that completely swamps these tiny little meddling differences made by chancellors. And then the public begins to actually express its will. You've said many times you detect a change. So do I. So do I. And I'm having won and lost seats in elections. I know that when the public move, it's like a tide and you cannot resist it as long as the public has the confidence to express itself. Yeah, I mean, once one domino goes down, like we said in the last hour with the self-service checkouts, that, that supermarket in the north of England it's quite a small chain. It's only in the north of England. It's not like a big, massive corporation. But it said, no, enough's enough. We're going to listen to the people. And we're going to we're going to take away the self-service checkouts. That domino fell. And now we've got the big, massive corporations in America, you know, Walmart, Costco, saying, well, we'll, we'll have a look at self-service checkouts. Maybe we'll take them away. So, yeah, there is a, there is a groundswell of people who are, are stopping paying their energy bills. It probably, probably even before the price cap went up, actually. But I wonder if this will trigger even more people because more and more people have had the veil lifted. They're awakening to the reality of the world, which is all about profit and power, not about us, and taking the power Mm. back. So it'd be really interesting to see if anyone in the chat has done this, you know, stopped paying, done it the proper way, you know, with writing the letters, no more contract, no more renting of your meters, um, and seeing if we get more. It's, it's, you Um, know, let's see. Let's see what happens. Just before you go, Gemma, first of all, genuine apologies, Jairo. I just didn't see what you'd said there. So, um, if you don't want me to read your notes, I just put that at the beginning. That's all points bulletin there. Uh, if you just want to keep it in the chat, then I won't read them out. Uh, so don't be dissuaded, Spyrogyra. I will have a self-imposed curfew about your comments unless you say otherwise. Mazzy, uh, Janet Mazzy saying uh, about celebrities, we should we should do what see we should do see what some of these celebrities are about. Gemma, uh, just toxic, egotistical, banging uh, and bang out of order. 
Uh, and uh, then in terms of meters, Maddie says, yeah, I've been tempted, Gemma. Uh, on that point, Jethro says, there's a video about folks not paying, putting in their own electricity meters. That's an interesting thing. And uh, Mogden says, uh, Richard Robes talking about energy bills. There's actually a link there. If you go to the chat, you'll see that as well. Uh, Gemma, thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate your views. What do you think about what Gemma uh, said? What do you think about what, I've, what I have said? Is there a groundswell which is different, perhaps in Australia, perhaps in the UK, perhaps in America? Is that the secret of Donald Trump's success? He looks anti-establishment, even though he was the president. You let me know. Coming up next, we're going to talk about AI, the mysterious goings-on in open AI, what is it? What is artificial intelligence and why do we need it? Uh, that's all with me, Lemmy Topic, here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Jeremy Nell and Germ Warfare. I feel like they've hijacked some words that have meaning, sustainable and development, because now if I use the word sustainable, I feel like I'm swearing. When you go onto the United Nations website, so if you go and look at uh, their, their documentation, for example, around Agenda, Agenda 2030, what you get is the kind of glossy brochure image of sustainable development. And really, when you look through that public-facing brochure, I think it's probably probably a reasonable description of it, of sustainable development. That's all you get. You, you just get the sound bites and you just get the claims about how wonderful it is going to be. The UN states that the agenda is an agenda for transformation of the world. Most perhaps acutely its economy, its industrial processes and perhaps something that is often overlooked, us, our societies and us as individuals. We are to be transformed as well. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'm just going to do a little voice. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me. And I was trying to figure it out. And I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Listen. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Very good morning to you in the UK. 23 minutes past seven, Jack Greenwich meantime, which means it's about 23 minutes past six in Sydney, where... 
wherever you are if you want to get involved in the conversation go to tntradio.live join the chat it's pretty lively down there at the moment that one you can also find the phone numbers if something provokes you to action so that you want to come on and express your point of view as long as i've got time i will do that uh we've got a lot to pack in between now and the end of my show uh coming up we're going to have uh Neil wilcox uh who took on the london mayor and won what was that about well you'll find out here on tnt radio also howard cox who happens to be a mayoral candidate for tnt not for tnt we're not a country yet a mayoral candidate or a city but a mayoral candidate for london and he's coming on to tnt uh to talk about the consequences and the implications of the autumn budget statement by the chancellor but first let's talk about ai uh, henry harris berlin joins us uh, from a company called starship i'll ask him to explain what that company does in a moment uh the reason we're discussing this is because ai has been front stage at least in the british media all week uh due to the firing and rehiring of sam altman who was apparently in charge of open ai then something mysterious happened and he left and they tried some other people and now he's back What's all that about? But first of all, Henry, thanks for joining us this morning. What does your Starship company do? Thank you for having me, Lambert. So Starship Technologies actually creates and offers autonomous delivery robots to deliver groceries and food to your home. There are thousands of these autonomous delivery robots operating every single day around the world. Um, they travel on the pavements at three or four miles an hour. And they're a bit like a self-driving car, but a little bit slower and a little bit safer. How big are they? They're not the size of a car, are they? No, no, they are probably a little bit like uh, a rolling briefcase is is an example that someone's actually uh, described them before. Uh, and why do we need them? So, I mean, delivery is very, very expensive at the moment and it's very, very inefficient. A lot of the delivery companies that we all know and love don't actually make any money. They're not actually sustainable businesses. They all lose money because of that cost of delivery over those last couple of miles to get you your groceries or to get you your, your dinner or your lunch. So Starship is automating those last couple of miles of delivery to reduce costs and then obviously be able to pass on those savings to customers. If customers were to pay the true cost of your delivery for dinner or for your groceries, you'd probably be paying seven eight or, or nine pounds of delivery and no one's going to pay that so it's obviously a technically sophisticated piece of equipment which brings us neatly to the questions i want to ask you about ai what does ai mean what does artificial intelligence mean does it mean like something's conscious or, or something else uh, it, it doesn't mean conscious, but there's something called AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which is what all of these AI companies are actually aiming towards. And that's when you could suggest that there's a conscious AI, which is which is AGI. That's when you have something smarter than any human in the world. And that's what about 35 companies around the world right now are investing billions of dollars in trying to create and that's where a lot of people feel like there's a lot of risks but ai in general is basically a very smart computer program that can learn on its own it can decipher information it can figure out patterns it can use knowledge to 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 do tasks or, or make decisions and it could recognize your voice it could suggest movies that you might like it could help doctors analyze medical data 
Um, so that's what AI is today in, in 2023. Do you apply AI in the Starship project? Yes, our robots are learning on their own every single day as well. Uh, in a in a more simple sense compared to analyzing medical data for cancer, for example, but they will learn the traffic patterns and how often pedestrians are on certain pavements and therefore adjust their routes to your home based on different times of the day and things like that. Uh, do they have feelings? Not yet. Uh, however, lots of people project, I think, human behavior onto these robots. We've seen all sorts of interesting things when you do, you offer thousands of robots out into, into the real world operating around humans. They're quite cute. Lots of people call them cute. Uh, we've had grown adults stroke robots as they've gone past, try and feed them bananas and fruit and things like that. A lot of people are taking selfies. So uh, the robots don't have feelings, but maybe some people think they do. Which moves us on to this peculiar spat between Sam Altman and OpenAI. I'm not pretending to expect you to know the inside story, but the most intriguing theory I've heard, and yeah, it's a conspiracy theory perhaps, but it could be true. They often do come out to be true, is that Sam Altman was working on something that was frightening people and they didn't want him to proceed with it. Uh, first of all, do you have any insight knowledge about what's going on? Well, two days ago, that that probably would have been a conspiracy theory. Uh, however, as of this morning, there is new information that is beginning to come out about this saga that has taken the tech world by storm. As you said, it's been the hot topic uh, across the world in the last four or five days. But there is new information that's just come out around something called Project Q. And it's a secret project that OpenAI were working on. And the staff were very concerned. And I quote the uh, stories that I've been reading this morning about a threat to humanity from Project Q and how this would be implemented. And actually it links perfectly to what I was talking about earlier around AGI. This is this moment in time that all these companies are working towards where the AI becomes, you said conscious, is it sentient? Is it cleverer than the, the smartest person in the world? It, it doesn't need any human input anymore. It can learn on its own. So Project Q sounds like it may have been close to that, that point, although I can't confirm that. And I think there was a disagreement between Sam and the board around how that might be implemented and the safety protocols uh, that should or would have been implemented around that. And that has been the trigger to create this debacle, um, this drama that's played out. So a few days ago, when I actually speculated that it was a scary project that had caused Sam to be ejected, I may have been right. At the moment, it looks like that is the case, and it was called Project Q, and there's more information coming out about it at the moment. And the, the long story short is that the board felt that Sam Altman had not been transparent in his communication, and it seems like it may have been around this Project Q. They fired him unexpectedly, 
uh, there was a huge uproar because of this un- because of this very surprising firing. The 740 employees of OpenAI, 720 of them, signed a petition saying that they would resign and walk if Sam Altman was not returned as CEO. So that was a very interesting sort of collective bargaining, collective sort of um, sort of treaty of sorts by all these employees. Uh, Microsoft is a major investor in OpenAI. They invested $10 billion, which was an incredible investment at the time for them. Um, and the CEO of Microsoft offered Sam Altman a role. Again, an absolutely genius move from him. And then he, I think, was rather instrumental in getting Sam Altman back at the CEO uh, position of OpenAI. So it's been an absolute drama. It's been headline news in the technology industry. Everyone's been on the edge of their seats. There's probably going to be a Netflix documentary about this in three or four years' time. And then I'm sure even more information will come out. Directed by Q, presumably. Uh, Last uh, question for you. Can AI be the end of us? Or AGI be the end of us? Unfortunately, the honest answer is yes, it could be if it's not dealt with safely and appropriately. Um, I don't think it will happen. I'm an optimist. AGI, some people think is a couple of years away. Some people think it's decades away. Uh, I am of the position that it's probably five to 10 years away. Uh, When that does happen, there will have to be very serious safety protocols that are implemented to ensure that AGI is used for good and that it doesn't get into the hands of of the wrong people. Thanks so much. Fascinating. We'll definitely have you back once we know a bit more about what really happened there. Uh, That's Henry Harris-Berlin from the Starship Corporation. Uh, What do you think of that? Are you frightened of AI? Are you frightened of AGI? Could it be the end of us, as suggested in the Terminator film series? That's one we're going to definitely come back to. Coming up next, we're going to speak to Neil Wilcox. He fought the mayor and Wilcox won. All of that with me, Lemmy Topic, here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio News. Big news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Despite growing concerns, the Australian government has defended its decision to grant visas to more than 800 Palestinians fleeing the war in Gaza. Pyongyang has ripped up a 2018 deal with South Korea, which was designed to reduce military tensions. And India and Russia have announced they are holding joint naval drills aimed at countering global threats and ensuring the safety of ships moving through the Asia-Pacific region. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. It is uh, 25 to 8 in the UK, 25 to 7 uh, in the evening in Sydney, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Now we're going to speak to a man who has done more than most to take on the London Mayor Sadiq Khan and to win is Noel Wilcox. This is all about emissions fines Uh, rather than me introducing Noel and what he's done. Noel can do it himself. Uh, Good morning, Noel. Thanks for joining us on TNT Radio. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I've just got to know what was the problem? What did you do and how did you win? Well, do you know what? I made the vital mistake of going to work. Um, so, yeah, was going to work. It was throughout the pandemic. And one of the vehicles that was going out was a Euro 5 Ad Blue. And it racked up £11,500 worth of fines 
within so, a just, just to explain euro five is a certain level of of emissions is it in, in a vehicle yeah that's correct so that was before the ULES was actually introduced so it was a low emission zone that i'd never even heard of i didn't know anything about a low emission zone had no idea what it was and you know at that stage as far as i was concerned the vehicle was compliant with legislation so yeah it was a euro five with ad blue and that vehicle was going into the low emission zone and we didn't know that you were supposed to pay a hundred pounds every single time that vehicle was going into that zone on an auto pay so if you don't pay the hundred pounds you get a thousand pound fine straight away so it's an instant thousand pound fine and then if you don't pay that thousand pound fine it's then increase after 28 days to 1500 pounds so there were seven penalty charge notices of 1500 pounds each which racked up to eleven and a half thousand pounds so what did you do so obviously contacted transport for london because we hadn't seen any of the paperwork that had come through because of the pandemic so the royal mail were not delivering any post to anybody at that stage so we tried to explain that to tfl but tfl were not interested so they said to us we're, we're not going to um allow your representations we're not going to allow you to pay the original hundred pounds for the vehicle going into that zone so they said that your only course of action would be to appeal it and you did Yep. So I appealed it to the uh, the adjudicators courts in London, which are the London tribunals, which is the road. Tri so anybody who gets a penalty charge notice from any authority, it, that's how you would go about appealing against that particular decision. So I appealed it on the basis that the signs were not lawful um, and they were not authorised. So if you look at the signs, whether it was, it was just a sign uh, where it has LEZ written in a circle that would not indica indicate to any motorist that there was any form of charging scheme. You know, if you look at the Dartford, I, I mean, for your viewers, I know that you're international, but there's if you go to the Dartford charge when you're going over the Dartford Bridge, that's run by the Ministry of Transport. Um, and, and in my opinion, the the signs there are completely compliant with legislation it gives you ample notice that there's a charging scheme it tells you exactly how much you have to pay per vehicle that's going over so motorbikes pay different cars pay different amounts and hgv vehicles will pay different amounts as well so um the signage there would indicate to a motorist that there is a charging scheme so that that's what aroused my suspicions at that time uh and you won so you didn't have to pay any of it well the, the so the adjudicator allowed tfl when i made my representations to the tribunal um the adjudicator um adjourned it for three weeks to allow transport for london to supply evidence that the signs were in fact lawful and they were authorized transport for london did not comply with the directions from the adjudicator so he basically gave a decision in my favor and he also stated in that decision that all of my fees so all of my fees were to be paid back to me and if i had paid any, any penalty charge notices that they were to be cancelled and refunded without delay so to this day 
two years, two and a half years afterwards, Transport for London have still not reimbursed me any of my money at all that I in way of fees. So when we were aware of the charging scheme, we set up an auto pay system. So those were the fees that I was paying to Transport for London. Um, and they've ignored the directions from the adjudicator because he's basically saying if the signs are not lawful, then there is no charge. So Transport for London have refused to pay me um, back the money. And they have also ignored a statutory demand for that money as well. I'm going to follow this up off offline uh, and report back to our listeners about what I find out. One more question, though. By inference, the exemption, the repayment that you're getting should apply to everybody who's been charged ever since they introduced the scheme, shouldn't it? I, I absolutely I absolutely believe that that is the case. Um, and I have been told, but that's only under, my ruling is only under the low emission zone scheme, whereas the ULES is something completely different. But the ULES, in my opinion, the signage is also not compliant with legislation because it is the sister of the low emission zone where the ULES has been expanded to now. Let's take this further offline. No, it's very, very uh, clear uh, description there. I think there's a case to answer here. The Mayor of London has made himself immensely unpopular with the expansion of the ultra-low emission zone. Uh, and if you're okay with it, then let's talk about it and see how far we can push it up the line. Would that be okay with you, uh, No? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, Thank you. Absolutely that's no Wilcox. He's given us uh, something to, to fight about and fight for. Uh, it affects people in London, but actually there will be precedents which affect people in any place where the same scheme has been implemented in the same way. Have you been caught out by this in London or in your locality, whether it's in the UK or Australia? What can we do when these big penalties are imposed on you just because you've committed the crime of having an old vehicle? Let me know. Go to the TNT Radio dot, uh, live chat box. You can also phone me. The numbers are there. Uh, coming up next, I'm going to actually ask our next guest about this as well. I know he's quite an authority when it comes to road transport, but mainly I'm going to ask Howard Cox on his take uh, regarding the autumn statement. It's a kind of mini budget in the United Kingdom and see if he thinks there's any hope for the Conservatives and if there's any hope for Britain. All of that with me, Lemon Turpic, here on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. What you're about to hear is worse than fake news. It's dangerous. It's made up baloney. And it's designed to instill fear and hatred. Here's real-time host Bill Maher. So here's something really scary. Mike Johnson, he's the Republican Party new head chief over there in the House. Uh, this came out. He was talking to a prayer group. He said, depraved America deserves God's wrath. Came out there exactly sounds like bin laden now, yeah. the, now the republican guy sounds like bin laden and trump sounds like hitler and here's the disgraceful former republican congressman adam kinzinger when you look at who the taliban is and the taliban is all about hey we want to take sharia law this this thing that we believe in we want to religiously implement this into our government there is no difference between Christian nationalism, which is what he's representing, right. than the Taliban. Now, maybe the end is different. Maybe yes. the means are different. Now, these statements would be true if Mike Johnson were calling for a massive terrorist attack against all Americans. And if he was planning on 
uh, taking away his the rights of, of, of everyone who doesn't agree with his religious beliefs, women, gays, everyone who doesn't agree with his religious beliefs. And if Donald Trump were throwing people into ovens and gas chambers from the concentration camps, which of course, none of which exist. So uh, until then, until these are true, these fear-mongering inciters uh, should just give it a rest. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Listen to my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. You're with Lembert Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, United Kingdom. It's quarter to eight. Uh, good evening, Sydney, Melbourne, and uh, good afternoon, Perth, wherever you are. Uh, thank you for joining me, Lemmy Opic here at the home of free speech, TNT Radio. Uh, lots in the chat uh, to comment on. Holly, good morning. Glad you got up. You would go back, overstep, walk it, walked into a spider's web in the garden. Yuck. Need a cup of tea. Yeah, when you broke that spider's web, you stole a home from an animal. Just think about that, Holly. Just think about that. Uh, Jester referring to the discussion we had about artificial intelligence and robots. They're smarter than any human in the world. That's what the man said, Jethro. Uh, depends how you define smart, of course, but uh, uh, the best chess computers now cannot be beaten by humans. They always beat the humans. And uh, we've got uh, uh, a comment here. Uh, Lisa says, uh, this was about Henry Harris uh, Berland, uh, just joined. Who's this dude? He's cute. You're allowed to say that here. No one takes offense. Uh, <laughs> there we go. I think he's married. Um, uh, we've got uh, just a bloke who asks questions. Classic problem, reaction, solution. This guy says no customer would pay the cost of deliveries. And so we need AI to make those deliveries cheaper. My solution, go to the shops and buy your stuff in person. Don't buy online or depend on deliveries simples well it's logical enough it's logical enough i have to say i do find the benefit of home deliveries quite substantial uh but nevertheless uh, it's horses for courses and lena says anything that replaces humans is anti-humanity and illuminates the need for people that can't be good unless you are of course bill gates lots more there keep your calls and comments uh coming well just one more chris says this man would lead us into oblivion and still say how good ai was i'm not sure i think that henry was being honest about it the, the, the equipment that he was describing didn't seem to be at the skynet terminator level of uh of intelligence but this has definitely got you chatting there's tons more there if i can at the end of the show i'll read some more out but do keep your calls and comments coming get to the chat yourself if you want to see all of it go to tntradio.live now then yesterday we had a big event in british politics uh, it was the chancellor's autumn statement in other words the chancellor telling us how the conservative government intends to run the economy towards happier times in the future was it good or not and what are the implications joining me now is another professional politician it's howard cox who happens to be standing just by coincidence given our previous guest for mayor of london and uh for the reform uk party uh good morning howard thanks for joining us on tnt radio good morning 
I'm I've asked you to come on because I know you have always been really good at analyzing budget statements and given your political status now you've probably done a comprehensive analysis so the first big question how good was Chancellor Jeremy Hunt's autumn statement for the country well it's like the curate's egg it's that we're in a situation whereby uh, suddenly after 13 years of having a Tory uh, government presiding over the highest tax burden this country's seen for 70 years we're seeing some tax cuts and uh, some of them are very welcome. I mean, obviously, pensioners will be happy very much with the fact that, that the, their pensions are going to go up by 8.5% next year, which is going to be way above inflation. Uh, it, that's not really welcomed by some younger people. Uh, but obviously, the national insurance on small business changes by abolishing uh, class two and reducing class four and coming down for payments from 12% to 10%, they are all very welcome. But why have we waited 13 years? Obviously, covid Ukraine war and all those sorts of things have been cited as reasons why they couldn't have done it before. They could have done. And one of the biggest things, as you well know, Lembert, I run a campaign for the last 13, 14 years called Fair Fuel UK. And that's fundamentally, I've been fighting for lower cost of motoring, particularly on fuel duty. And we've had that frozen again this time for the 13th year running. And, uh, and, and it sounds big headed, but I can take some credit in actually uh, achieving that. The, 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 the bad news is that um, the 5p cut in fuel duty we had a, about uh, 18 months ago uh, when uh, Rishi Sunak, bef uh, before he became prime minister, was the actual chancellor, gave 5p cut in duty. And that next according to the OBR, uh, the Office of Budget Responsibility, which is a sort of independent advisory body to the government, um, next April are saying that's built in to reverse and come back in, put 5p back in petrol and diesel sales at the pumps, uh, because that's in the government's forecast to pay for all these national insurance cuts, etc. And so my point about being at the Curex's budget is absolutely right. I think it's partly dishonest and not be and uh, going forward, the percentage of tax we're paying against GDP is going to rise and rise each year. So in answer to your question, I'm not happy and drivers shouldn't be happy either. Uh, it does seem to me in terms of drivers that they get stung continuously, made worse by the fact that the government spokespeople seem to think it's justifiable to tax diesel and petrol users more because we're wrecking the planet. Uh, is there anything about that in the autumn statement? No, nothing whatsoever, as usual. In fact, this is the second statement uh, uh, by Jeremy Hunt that he's never met. He hasn't mentioned drivers at all uh, and, and the impact. What is sad about this Conservative government, and I voted Conservative for 50 years. I know I don't look that old, but <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are allowed to say that, that you were called cute uh, <laughs> earlier. So it wasn't I, me. I, it was my guest. No one calls me cute, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> oh, I, I misunderstood that. Oh, well, okay. I was brought at it. It's uh, slur. Um, no, from from the point the point of view of uh, of not seeing the motorist, the driver, the trucker, etc., as a solution to actually the, the future of our economy. Um, Thirty seven million drivers uh, in this country, and they all vote. They all pay tax. They work for businesses. They have to go and contribute to the uh, high streets uh, in terms of everything to do with paying for parking. And and don't get me on that one because that's uh, drivers are being ripped off terribly. Uh, are based on what fuel you drive now. Uh, etc diesel drivers are paying more for parking etc but your point is very valid uh that drivers should be seen as a solution an economic solution to the future rather than actually being easy 
to fleece cash cows. And that remains embedded still in this Tory party, which I would never believe. And I'm, uh, I joined Reform UK because Reform UK are the true Tory party. Uh, the And I'm going to have you on to talk about your mayoral ambitions um, presently because I do find the position you take very interesting. I watch it from a distance, uh, but I'm impressed. In terms of the uh, budget uh, situation then, can anything in this budget reverse the ailing fortunes of the Conservative Party or are they past the point of no return? Absolutely past the point of no return. I think there'll be some loyal Tory people that, you know, struggle to put, move their pen into the Labour box. And I think most of those will probably abstain uh, or, or and may move back to Tories because of this budget. But I, I doubt it very much indeed. They, they have presided over a hugely costly, uh, date, a really bad cost of living crisis. And that is continuing. We need help, hope now. One, what they could have done yesterday, and obviously I'm wearing my fair fuel UK hat here, if they cut fuel duty by 20 pence, and if they'd actually introduced pump watch to stop the profiteering that goes on, uh, pump prices in the UK are 10p higher than they should be based on wholesale prices. If, they, if he stood up and said, right, I'm going to make sure I introduce this body, a consumer price regulatory body, with, like Ofcom, Ofgem, Ofwat, but for drivers, if he'd introduced that yesterday, uh, and and uh, stood at the dispatch box, I'm on the side of drivers, and also put a 20p cut in fuel duty, inflation would plummet, absolutely plummet considerably, and uh, he would get the confidence of drivers across the country. And I repeat, there are 37 million of them, and most of them, something like 95% of them, drive a fossil fuel car. The uh, Obviously, you are a member of a party which is competing with the Conservatives, and I suspect probably competing for the same votes. So that's a caveat nevertheless i'm going to ask you this question and i hope for an objective answer is there something that jeremy hunt could have done beyond just what you said for drivers that could reverse the fortunes of the economy or improve the fortunes of the economy and and save the conservatives from what a lot of people are thinking is going to be a crushing defeat in the forthcoming general election well it's very simple you should encourage people to get into work and that would be tax thresholds moving we're currently at twelve and a half thousand pounds before you pay tax move that to twenty thousand pounds you imagine what that would do to the lower end of the economy in terms of income i'm talking about that would be fantastic and push people away from benefits and into the into actually work because there's one and a half million jobs vacancies at the moment why are they not being taken up those are the usual uh, questions we ask uh, when it comes to the uh, employment situation. But I think that's what you encourage people back to work, reduce uh, income tax by uh, lowering, uh, by increasing the thresholds when they have to pay it. That would have been a massive entry. And I think, uh, I think that would have really uh, got uh, the Tories perhaps a real chance of actually not necessarily winning, but not being wiped out, which I think they're going to be wiped out next year. Uh, once again, you're in a politically uh informed but also politically biased position for perfectly reasonable uh, uh circumstances would labor have done any better though <laughs> well La labor don't have to do anything they could just sit there and watch to the tories implode uh, and rip themselves apart i mean the other thing also yesterday which i think there was this big claim about the minimum wage going up uh i you know and they were taking credit for it the conservatives they don't pay wages 
It's employers who pay wages. And they're, what they're doing is saying to small businesses, you've got to pay another, I can't remember the figure, another one pound fifty or something like that extra to your staff. And that's going to impact in areas like care workers. I have a mother-in-law who's in a care home. You know, we pay a fair bit of money for that mother-in-law to be in that care home. And they're, they're, all of those staff working there are low-income minimum wage. But the employers will have to pay more, and that's passed on to people like me who are going to pay more for, 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 for my mother-in-law's wonderful care she gets. These sorts of things, they're, just, they're not in touch with reality and the grassroots of the economy. I'm afraid they're totally detached from reality. Uh, then uh, you've told us what's wrong. What's right? I understand what you would do about fuel duty. If you were the chancellor, I know you're not standing for that kind of position, but if you were the chancellor, what would you have said in terms of the big picture stuff, taxation, uh, grants, minimum wage? Well, all of those things, the minimum wage thing is, is welcome, but it's going to impact, as I say, on small businesses. As I said, the lower end of t the tax thresholds, when you actually start paying tax, I'd increase that. And we, we you know, Reform UK is well known for saying 12 and a half to 20,000. That makes a lot of sense. But where's the incentives to do things? And I'd definitely uh, uh, get rid of things like the bans uh, on, on fossil fuel vehicles in 2035 and let. Uh, uh, clean fuel technology evolve without all these edicts being thrown. Let's get rid of the nanny state. And that's the big one for me as well. I'd reduce the nanny state by something like 5%. And that would actually help with the economy. So for every £100 spent on uh, on civil service and social, uh, all those sorts of things, we've got to save a five, have savings of about a £5. If you were running a business and your boss came to you say, your department, you've got to save 5%, you'd have to do it. If you didn't do it, you get sacked. In this country, you've got a job for life with a golden pension. Uh, just one, just a sentence or two from you about Noel Wilcox. Uh, he yeah. took on the Mayor of London and seems to have won. Uh, is that a precedent for all drivers? <laughs> well, Noel is incredible. He, he runs a small scaffolding business in North London, and he proved... He took on TfL to say that the ULES and LES signs, well, particularly the LES signs, which is the commercial signs, uh, low emission zone signs in London, were illegal because they didn't tell you that you had to pay to actually enter that zone and how much you had to pay, those sorts of things. He won that. He got uh, uh, the, the judge in the uh, Transport Adjudicators Court said that the uh, TfL would have to pay back his fines and his fees completely. They've yet to do that. So this story is going on and on. And uh, watch this space. I'm working very closely with him. And let me tell you what the uh, listeners are saying. Chris says, uh, a modern-day Guy Fawkes is needed. Uh, Guy Fawkes, for those who don't know, was a chap who tried to blow up Parliament. Uh, he and, and I think he got he got uh, hung for that. Um, Lisa says, yes, bring on Guy Fawkes a second. To which Jethro says, oh, yeah? How did things work out for Guy Fawkes? <laughs> and Lisa says, you are cute too, Lambert. Thank you for that, Lisa. Um uh, Howard, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, good luck with your work with Noel Wilcox. I'll probably muck into that myself and find out what I can do. Um, a lot of uh, commentary there, and it's going to keep going. Artificial intelligence has created a, a complete separate debate. Yes, we have AI now and drones, uh, LOL. Uh, I haven't got time to go through all of it, but do follow that uh, because the debate will continue there. I want to thank uh, Howard Cox, who is polit the uh, political professional, for his view on the budget. We will return to this again uh, as well, of course, see how things settle. My time with you is up. 
Uh, that was a quick, quick two hours. Where did it go? Uh, do please uh, join me again. I'll be here tomorrow morning, usual time, 0600 GMT. That's 5 p.m. if you're in Sydney. And uh, I'll have the usual eclectic crowd, but always on the money, on the current affairs, on the breaking news. You only need TNT Radio for the facts. Thank you so much to the team as well. Did a great job again today. And if you've got things you want us to cover, then let us know. Put it in the TNT chat or get in touch with me by email as well. I'm Len Topic. This is TNT Radio.